the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and everywhere you get your podcasts on demand. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like and come and join us in the chat, a.k.a. the Cover 3 tailgate. Happy Super Bowl week to all who celebrate. Remember, you can watch the Super Bowl live on CBS from Las Vegas. Stream it on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, our guy Danny Cannell out in Las Vegas. Hopefully, we'll get a chance to catch up with him. I know he is en route right now. Tons of coverage on CBS Sports HQ. Of course, our friends at the Pick 6 podcast will have you set there as well. Um, we will, on Thursday, bud, be making our own Super Bowl observations from the college side of things, as well as... I, I don't know, man. Like sometimes I package it up to say like, we're going to go college side of this. And you know what ends up happening? We just talk about the Super Bowl because yeah. we're like red-blooded Americans who follow football and enjoy the sport. And so Thursday, we'll get our, our official Super Bowl picks out here. Maybe a few prop bets for you. But coming up, we got uh, more. I, I'm so sorry to everyone. The coaching carousel might keep spinning. We'll get into that uh, as we've got potentially a little bit of news out in uh, Los Angeles. And Wednesday is National Signing Day. It's a little bit of a different National Signing Day, but still, we've got some un we've got unsigned prospects of note. Many of them, or most of them, committed after the weekend. Now we'll ask Bud if there's any any flips that we should be on the lookout for, and some of the big storylines at the big picture level. Getting you set for Wednesday's National Signing Day, the conclusion of the 2024 cycle. But but we begin Friday afternoon. Just a nice little press release. I had no heads up. Greg didn't hit me up. Tony didn't hit me up. Of course, I'm talking about the commissioners of the SEC and the Big Ten because the SEC and the Big Ten announce an advisory board. Oh, okay. This is a this is a new this advisory board doesn't have any power to change anything or implement their own rules or bylaws. It's just an advisory board. But bud, when we spend all this time talking about like any kind of potential breakaway or, or you know anything else. We're always talking about the SEC and the Big Ten. We see them walking down the street, each holding their bandanas up in the air together. They have declared peace with each other. 
which I think I'll get to in a little bit. I think that is important. What, what, which, where do you want to start with this? There's lots of different places that I want to take um, this, including the, what, what they have said so far and what they have not said. Uh, what stands out to you about Friday's news? So a couple things. One, I, I totally agree with you that if, if they're doing an advisory board, uh, it does suggest that they're willing to work together. It, when we get to the inevitable Super League, if it happens, they're going to make a lot more money selling the product as one as opposed to as two. So that there is sort of some signal in that for me. I, I think that a couple things probably led to this, right? The general unhappiness with the teams that are playing on sort of a, a pay-per-play level, even if they're not admitting to it. So that's... I don't know, probably 40 or 50 teams in the sport if you, if you want to be charitable with it. But a lot of those teams do reside uh, in the SEC and the Big Ten. And I, I think the Tennessee thing happening uh, probably maybe hasten the announcement of this, right? Like Tennessee knew that it was under investigation. They're like, hey, you're punishing us for something that a whole lot of other schools already do. We want to operate like this. Why are we at the mercy of the vote of all of the other members who play a really a more collegiate game, if we're just speaking frankly, whereas we want to operate like pseudo professional uh, teams, or at least if the courts force us to do so, we, we want to be able to kind of be out in front of it. And uh, NCAA, you need us a lot more than we need you. So let's make sure our ducks are in a row. We can go to the NCAA with certain asks that we might have. And hey, need to make sure we're operating in concert as well with our 12-team our playoff asks, right? Because they didn't get the unanimous vote to go from 6-6 six and six to 5-7. and seven. So uh, we'll see how that goes as they continue to look into this. God, that part two is another stage of this that I hadn't even got to. All right, so let's start at the beginning. The, the statement says that this advisory group was formed in reaction to, quote, recent court decisions, pending litigation, a patchwork of state laws, and complex governance proposals. Now, let me just try to, like, you know, put this uh, shout out to our guy, Joe Obvious. Let me do the beep, beep, boop, 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 beep, boop, boop, and like translate this for you. Okay. Recent court decisions. Well, we've known that they've been getting worked every single time that they've gone to court, including at the highest levels of the Supreme Court of this country, where, you know, fra I'm paraphrasing here, but the judgments include things like this would not be legal in any other industry. Okay. Not great. Recent court decisions. All right. Step two. Pending litigation, you already mentioned the House case, also the Department of Justice looking into your transfer rules and the Tennessee case against NIL. So you've got pending litigation in terms of employment status, the regulations on transfers and the regulations on NIL, a patchwork of state laws that, of course, is all the different NIL rules across the entire state. And and this is the one thing where I agree with our friend Dennis Dodd, the Dodd father on CBSSports.com, because he called this advisory group a shot across the bow of the NCAA. You are not waging war yet, but when they said that they formed this advisory group in response to, among other things, complex governance proposals, but that sounds to me like they looked at Charlie Baker's big master plan and were like, yeah, no, that's not going to work right now, or that's not going to work for us. And so right now, the line from Greg Sankey, from Tony Petiti is, we are not giving up on the NCAA but what y'all got going on does not seem to be in line with making sure this thing succeeds at the highest levels into the future. The, the NCAA act actually serves a, some pretty good purposes, right? It, it does administer championships pretty well, um, especially in the non-revenue sports. It uh, it does governance okay for a, a, an organization that governs so many different uh, types of schools, and, and meaning like committed 
at a certain level, committed at a, a bit of a lesser level. Uh, enforcement kind of depends on what you think about it in enforcement, but they have some rules. They do try to enforce the members vote on a lot of the rules. Maybe he didn't actually vote on the NIL rules because those changed like a million times. Uh, but they are also a good punching bag to have out there. So mm-hmm. if you don't want to be the bad guy, if you're, you know, if you're Tennessee, if you're Tennessee's president or, or their AD, like, man, it's nice to have people punch at the NCAA instead of you. So I, I don't think that the Big 12 and the SEC necessarily have to have the NCAA go away. The optimal solution here could be to allow the NCAA to continue to exist, just operating in such a way that schools like Tennessee wants it to operate. Because then they they take all the flack and you kind of skate, right? So, yeah, I, I don't think it necessarily means that the NCAA goes away, but clearly they, they did not love Baker's plan. I didn't either. It didn't seem reasonable. No no, like no attorney out there suing the NCAA is going to be like, yeah, that's cool. Just set it up in a trust fund that we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get. That, that makes all of these antitrust issues go away, I promise. Yeah, that, that's, that's pretty silly. Uh, but... Uh, to me, Baker's plan felt like a guy who had a, a group project due and just rushed it. You know, he's like, okay, fine. Get it in. Procrastinated it. This is kind of what we're looking for, but also it's like still an F because it's just kind of hastily. Hey, hey listen, and- as somebody who rushed many group projects, you can get a C minus or a oh, C- yeah. anywhere for that. Like you can get a passing grade by just throwing a ton of stuff at the wall without actually having a ton of depth or backup for a lot of your surface level plans. Yes. I agree. So, yeah, was it in response to Tennessee? I, I don't think exactly in response to Tennessee. Do I think that the uh, the timing of the announcement was coincidental with the NCAA leaking the details of the Tennessee investigation to the New York Times? Probably also not coincidental there, right? It's like, oh, yeah, about that. And, and, and about other schools receiving letters as well about things like this. Guys, we're, we're not going to investigate this kind of stuff. We're not going to be punishing people in the future for the type of stuff that's about to be legal by the courts 24 to 48 months from now, right? So it's it sort of reminds me of what the SEC sort of did internally. I was about to say, Mike Slive, rest in peace, man. That's yeah. what, You always bring that one up. That's always a good one. Mike Slive's like, hey, you know, like that's honestly one of the uh, – and we said this when we still had SEC rights, so I'm certainly not going to back down for saying it now. That's one of, the, one of the brilliances of Mike Slive. He got everybody to stop snitching on each other yep. with very few exceptions. I mean – Dan Mullen type stuff, sure. But like, for the most part, you didn't have your big programs diming out your other big programs under his watch. And it's like for about 15 years there, there was not a year where at least one SEC program was not facing sanctions that were limiting their ability to compete at the highest level. Yeah, like bowl bans and TV bans and all all the kind of stuff that we don't really do anymore for the most part. But yeah, it, it slives like, guess what? If we get turned in, it better be by somebody outside this conference because y'all are, are are not cannibalizing the product. There are 34 teams between the SEC and the Big Ten as they are going to be reconstituted for the 2024 season. When you start to think about um, you know, them leading the way, they're not, they are probably not going to close their doors to anybody else, right? I I mean, I'd be very shocked if if they did. If you have others who want to play in that space, wouldn't you want to sort of have everybody wanting to play a certain model be in that space? Yes. It's also just more attractive if, if you're going to bundle all this stuff and sell it off as one package, which ultimately makes sense. I don't know what the timeline on that would be, but clearly like they're going to, 
the NFL makes a lot more money not selling the AFC and the NFC separately, right? Now, different networks get different broadcast things, but they sell it as a package to everybody. You mentioned the um, the college football playoff side of this. So um, according to reports, they made an effort to uh, their last college football playoff meeting. We remember they had the meeting. We were expecting a move for the 2024 season from a six plus six to a five plus seven. What I mean by that is in the format that was initially approved, there were six, the six highest rated conference champions would get an automatic bid to the 12 team playoff. And as it was approved then, we thought, well, many years that will be the five, you know, power conference champions plus, you know, your highest ranked G5, similar to what we have with the New Year Six with that kind of designation. Well, now that the Pac-12 doesn't exist or at least does not exist as the the same kind of power conference, there was a move that says, all right, well, let's now change this to five plus seven. We create an additional at-large in place of an additional conference champion. Well, because of the way the college football playoff is set up only through the 2025 season, there is still a representative for the Pac-12. You know, we talked about, like, what is what is the difference of a power conference? And I made the argument on here that it was like, well... The, the payouts, even at the college football playoff level, uh, still say that you know the Big 12 and the ACC are power conferences. And so the Pac-12 has a representative. And according to reports, Kirk Schultz from Washington State, he was the lone no in moving from 6 plus 6 to 5 plus 7. Now, is he doing this as a negotiating tactic? I'm, I've, I've said before, I'm not really good at understanding the politics of administrators. Like, it's just not my beat. I just don't have it in me. You know, I'm... I got other other things I'm worried about. I'm I'm crunching the chipolytics trying to figure out if Miami and Virginia yeah. are going to go over or under 132 and a half on a Monday night. Okay, I'm moving on from that. But are they? Others have indicated. I'm on the under. Um, okay. Others have indicated that this might be a, a long game for him to try to get more when Washington State is obviously not operating from a position of power. So now we've got this, but how do you factor the advisory group into the future of the college football playoff? Because again, right now, all we really have are two years. And if you want to talk about the timeline of a big breakaway, right now the current NCAA tournament contract runs through 2032. The current SEC media rights deals through 32, Big Ten media rights deal through 30, Big 12 through 29, and our college football playoff might be up after 25 how, how do you tie all these things together? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it would be a mistake to assume rational behavior on the behalf of Schultz just based on certain things that have happened in the Pac-12 before. Uh, the the Pac-12 does not have a reputation for acting in a rational and, and good business sense type of way. Uh, but yeah, clearly, like, like I think he would be trying to, unless he's just trying to cause hell, right? Mm -hmm. Which is possible, but he's probably trying to get some kind of uh, increased payout for them in the future because otherwise they would be dropped to like a, a G5 level payout, right? So like G5 teams make a different amount from the playoff than power five teams do uh, in terms of, of, of playoff revenue. Greg Sankey has been on record that he doesn't want any auto bids at all. I, I think that's a, uh, a real mistake from a business sense because if you go no auto bids at all, then it really is just a beauty pageant and the importance of winning a conference title goes down quite a bit. And conference titles are something that do keep fans engaged throughout the entirety of the season. People worry about like the diminishing regular season. Under the current format, I really don't. 
Not too much. Under the 12-team format that we're about to go engage in, because I, I, yes. I think we look back at some of these conference title races from this past season when we've gone to this divisionless football and now expanded schedules. I mean, trying to figure out who's going to even get a chance to play for the conference championship has made some of these November games extremely exciting. No doubt about it. So, and Chip, you think about this, I, I think that they will probably – I don't think the Big Ten would would go for no auto bids because they're probably smart enough to realize that if the conference title games don't have stakes, they don't really matter uh, quite as much. So, but would it be crazy to think that you go to four auto bids or three? That that like the, math like doesn't the, the three highest or the four highest. I think the five plus seven makes total sense to me. I, I do too, but that is assuming we stay at twelve. Petiti has already put out plans, I believe it's been reported multiple places, to expand to 14 or 16. Why? Makes for a better TV product. Okay. Right? Like, like he comes from the NFL side, right? Right. So that would, uh, I, I think that that's another thing they're probably trying to hammer out here is does the SEC want to go to that number? It works in the FCS, it works in almost other, all other, other sports. We don't really see. Does any, any any major sport have less than twelve teams in a playoff? Baseball. Well, they got all the play-in type of rounds now, I guess, because they go three, three, and like the two wild cards. Yeah, I, I guess it is just yeah. So I I I like the five because um, you are going to be creating two things. Number one, you are having a, a fair representation that if chalk holds you're going to have pretty close. Like you're not going to have all 12 of the 12 best teams, but if chalk holds, you're probably going to have 10 of the 12 best teams. You do have a door open for some of these conferences that aren't operating at the same, you know, revenue level as everybody else. And I do think that the whole idea of going into a conference championship game, when you are on the bubble, so to speak, all of a sudden, all these fan bases are rooting for Oklahoma State. Or like, excuse me, rooting for Texas to beat Oklahoma State. Because if Oklahoma State beats Texas in the Big 12 title game, Texas is probably still going to make the college football playoff yeah. as an at-large. Oklahoma State not highly ranked enough to get there. So if you're sitting there, and so I guess this past year we'd be talking about Ohio State. We'd be talking about Missouri. We'd be talking about Ole Miss. Talk about Penn State. Those other teams that were in New Year's Six spots. No, they those fan bases then have a vested interest going into conference championship weekend. I, I end up helping out our college basketball team during conference tournament week. It is amazing how many fans are dialed into action that is not tied specifically to their team yeah. because they've gone far enough to figure out all the moving pieces. And so officially put me down for a, a five plus seven is all good with me. And then if you drop down to just two or three, then we get a little bit more to what you were saying with Sankey's proposal, which is then it's just beauty pageant at that point. If you get if you get rid of auto bids, you also need to kill conference championship games. Yes, I agree. Yeah, because uh, uh, otherwise it really is like like there becomes a real incentive to sit guys in that, and then you can just do the full beauty pageant. Hey, like we sat a bunch of guys. That's not really our team. We're sitting on our twelve game resume. Judge us on that. That that type of thing. So now. But those leagues make a hell of a lot of money in those conference championship games, man. Like the the rights fees they get for those, it's not nothing. I think eventually they could go away if the playoff expands more. 
which right. wouldn't really be a problem. Like we've only had conference championship games in most leagues for like 15 or 20 years. It's not like it's been a, a staple of the sport. You know, SEC only started in what, 90, 94, 92? What? I know it was, it was Florida Bam. I'm trying to, year, I'm trying to remember no, what 92. year. Yeah, okay. So, not, the championship game era is 92. We didn't have it in the ACC since 05. Big 10 came yeah. even after that. The Big 12 did have one for a long time, then didn't, then brought it back. Um, Pac 12 is not. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, it's not like a staple in the sport necessarily, but it's something I, I think because it has stakes that we care about, you know. Have but I told you my uh, conference championship thought? No. I want to expand the conference championship. Oh, like a conference tournament? Yeah, four teams and uh, drop a game from the regulars. This is in my like, okay, Chip, write the rules for like the new world where there's only like 40 teams or 50 teams or like whatever it is. I I think that you are not going to get an honest representative of the best team in a conference, in an 18-team conference. I've just looked at these bloated conferences. I've looked at the schedule draws. And I just see all these opportunities for teams that are not necessarily the best team in the conference to fit, wind up via tiebreakers up in one of the top two spots. And similarly, teams that probably are deserving not to be there. I just think that trying to find two out of a group of 18 when we're only playing eight or nine game conference schedules like that, that to me is where I would say, I would lose a regular season game. I would play 10 conference games, and then I would do a four-team conference tournament into a college football playoff. That that makes some sense. I, I, I have to think about only 10-team tournament I, or only 10-team conference schedule because I, I do think that there are certain things I don't want to lose about the sport that we're not going to lose with the 12-team playoff. But we might lose with a 10-team or a 10-game conference schedule. And, and one of those things would be like the ability to travel – as a fan to some non-conference games, mm. you know, as like, as a Florida state fan, man, my friends went out to Oklahoma in 2009. I think it was, they, they lost by like 50. They still talk about that trip. Just how, how, you know, how awesome the OU fans were to tailgate with and how it was cool to go see that. That is part of, I, I think being a college football fan is the sort of like tourism of other stadiums and other campuses, right? Whereas the NFL, it you're not doing a lot of tourism. I mean, you could see the city, but like I don't know, buddy. I seen Rams games. Rams games looks like it got a lot of tourism going on right there. Same That's with fair. Raiders. <laughs> but like you're going to see, you're going to see like other aspects of the city. Right. right, like right the only, right. Thing, only thing Rams about LA is the stadium. Right. Whereas you know, if I go to Raleigh, man, NC State is, is just it's throughout that town. It's not the only thing in that town, obviously, but you know what I'm talking about? Like, like the, there's a lot of it. So especially these, these college towns, which, which, you know, Raleigh's not a great example because it's not, you know, totally college town, obviously, but I think that I don't want to lose that. So if you did, if you did lose that, would everybody be mandated to play another, you know, power five team or two potentially like that could be really important for me. Yeah. I, I think that it's just acknowledging that even just seeing all of your conference is tough with an 18-game league. So, I mean, not 18-game, 18 18-team 18 league, very, very difficult. All right, you want to get into, uh, I, hey, how about this one? <clears throat> Coming up on the other side, a Belichick in college football. We'll tell you which one next. 
Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast back here on the cover three podcast and i am i I cannot express my apologies enough i declared the coaching carousel (laughs) done and then jeff halfley left to take the Green Bay Packers defensive coordinator job. We've got more news. We do have assistant coaching carousel. We're, we, we're going to grade the assistant coaching carousel, I don't know, probably at the end of the month, definitely after signing day. So let's break it back out, Jordan. Let's take a spin on the coaching carousel. Ryan in the cover three tailgate says, if Belichick is leaving the NFL, are you worried about the future of the NFL? Isn't that how it works? What's wrong with the culture of the NFL that, that, that uh, Steve Belichick, by the way, for those of you who are listening. Yeah. So according to uh, multiple reports, new Washington head coach, Jed fish will be tapping Steve Belichick to be the defensive coordinator for the Huskies moving forward. Belichick, of course, working alongside his father, Bill Belichick, um, defensive play caller, varying, uh, roles throughout his time on the new England's coaching staff. Uh, do you have any, in any sort of like general like reaction here? Cause he's 
often caught on the sidelines. Like he gets a lot of camera time and we talk about him a lot. Who's calling the plays? Who's not calling the plays? Was it Mayo? Was it Belichick? Was it Bill Belichick? So now he's going to show up in Seattle, taking over a defense that was led by a lot of veterans and a lot of them are gone, you know, from last year, key players in the secondary, they've hit the transfer portal and Washington joining the big 10. I mean, this is an, an important time for someone who I'm not, I'm not sure what my like book is on Steve Belichick as a college defensive coordinator. Yeah, so I have no idea how Steve Belichick is going to be as a college defensive coordinator. It, the, the hire is not entirely out of left field it, with the perspective that Jed Fish, the new Washington coach by way of Arizona, did work on Belichick's staff. So they would at least have known each other. He would have, have known Bill Belichick. He also worked, I, I believe, uh, you know, at, at Michigan with, with some other NFL connections. So it's not like... Jed Fish is, is you know, completely blind to the NFL. So maybe it works out, maybe it does. I don't have a real strong opinion on it, but it's not it's not crazy. And also, the Patriots' defense has been good. Not the problem. Like, I'm not an NFL expert, but like if you look at some of the metrics out there, they're much better on the defensive side than they are on the offensive side. Can you separate that from Bill Belichick? I don't know. I, I'm not telling you that I, I know the answer to that because I don't. But uh, yeah, let's uh, let's uh, keep rolling through. I you know cover three tailgate, awesome. I, I love having y'all here with me because I didn't have this one in the doc, but you know the latest from the Boston College you know side of things. Who replaces Jeff Halfley? We didn't um, do Halfley yet, did we? What uh, on the show because it broke like Thursday afternoon. No, we did it Thursday. It was oh, Wednesday we night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, first first topic right out the gate on Thursday's show was the Jeff Halfley move, and um, I have was, some thoughts as it relates to the overall coaching carousel. Okay, with Halfley, but continue. Okay, well, you you want to go back because that was the thing is why Ryan in the tailgate was bringing up like that's how you do it, right, Tom and Danny? Because that's uh, the, the, there was a, there was a lot of heat on Thursday's show as we were talking about the cultural impacts of this, but you know. Bill O'Brien was hired as Ohio State's offensive coordinator earlier in the cycle, and we broke it down. Now, there has been speculation, and I'm going to say that as we sit here Monday at 11.31 a.m. Eastern time, there is speculation that he could end up being uh, the candidate to replace Jeff Halfley at Boston College. What is your expectation for where Boston College moves next? Let's save the big picture stuff maybe until we get the full full gang aboard. I mean, Bill O'Brien, I think, could do a nice job there. Uh, certainly has done a really nice job when he was at Penn State. He did an okay job at Houston. Um, I don't know how well you can actually do at Boston College. I, I thought Jeff Halfley did a pretty decent job at Boston College, but it makes sense that Halfley would want to jump, right? He didn't tell me this, but if you read the tea leaves, the AD at BC did not hire Jeff Halfley, correct? ADs typically want to make their own mark on the sport. Mm -hmm. He made a bowl game. He won the bowl game. It's just you kind of got to restart the cycle of hype if you want people to keep buying tickets and keep buying in. You have to lie to your fan base and tell them more is possible, even if you don't truly believe that. So 
if Halfley went six and six this year or seven and five, I don't know. He what wasn't. Else. All right. So that was my response I to think them. Was, get fired, right? my, my response to them was like, A, yes, there are issues that are turning coaches off when they imagine what their like work life balance is going to be like that need to be addressed if we're going to maintain having our best and brightest. I agree with you. I just thought that Jeff Halfley was the wrong guy for you to pin your big argument. Like we see it with politics all the time. Oh. You've got a position, we've got an example, and you say, This is the perfect example. And I'm like, No. He just won every game against Holy Cross, Northern Illinois, Army, and UConn. That was the non-conference schedule that Boston College had this year. He went six and six and won every game by three points. Like you've got to look around as Michigan State cycles onto the schedule and as things are getting more difficult. At Missouri, too. Yeah, I mean, it's just you you look around, you say, "I, I think to your point, restarting the clock was a great career move for Jeff Halfley. And I was actually talking with uh like that's not always the best selling point. Like I, I, don't, I can't sell to an audience or write a column and be like, Jeff Halfley just made a great career move for Jeff Halfley. And yeah. that's the story because nobody cares about the individual career motivations of some of these coaches. He also um, coached in the NFL and was highly thought of in the NFL when he was coaching for the 49ers. That's oh, for not- like six to eight years, he was an assistant. And like that was the way the book came out on him. He's like, this guy's so smart. He's a secondary coach. Keep your eye on him. He's moving up in the industry. So, I mean, ultimately that's, yeah, I, I actually had a lot of coaches reach out about this. Oh, like, no, dude, like we, we do want to get out. Like, I know you guys, I mean, like you guys complain about something every year and I'm not diminishing those concerns because I do think that the, the overall grousing is louder than it has ever been because they do deal with more BS than they ever have. It, it is sort of insane just to say it out loud that, that you're dealing with free agency you know, 365 days a year because nobody's under any sort of real binding contract. However, the money has also never been bigger in college football than it is right now. So a lot of these guys reach out to the NFL. I know I have a couple of friends in coaching who are, you know, coordinator or head coach level and they've reached out and they get crickets. And like, I don't think they're guys who are just recruiters, you know, but like they're having their agent reach out and the NFL is like, we're good. It, these guys oh, are clearly accomplished. Keep going with that. Like, why? Why do you think that is? Why do you think? Because that's that's very interesting. I like that. We we're, we're sitting here from the college football mindset. We're only looking at ourselves. Yeah, we're they want to get out. I'm like the NFL is like we're we're good. We, yeah. we, don't, we don't want most of y'all actually, and it's because they want guys who I think have been in the NFL before. Liam Cohen. Okay. Now you could tell me that he got out because he you know, was tired of the college system, which. And, and frustrated with it. I'm sure he was. I'm sure he was also pretty ticked off that Devin Leary isn't what they thought he was going to be. You know, and who knows what his, what his opinions are on the kid who they signed from Georgia. But at the same time, the offensive coordinator of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with a seemingly fixed Baker Mayfield is a way better job, way better than the Kentucky job. What these guys who reach out are finding if they get a call back is that most of them are going to have to take a significant step down in title and pay because the NFL likes to promote from within its own system. Look, look at the, um, look, look at the coordinator. The Patriots just hired like super young guy, but he's you know, gone for probably like an, uh, like an equipment dude worked his way up the ranks. They, they want a lot of guys who have, have worked within the NFL. And part of this honestly is because most of your really accomplished college coaches are better at recruiting than they are at coaching. Not all, but most. 
and there is no need for the, the skill set that is recruiting in, in, in the NFL. It's a very valuable skill set in college, and that is why they are paid so much. So does it suck? Do they have like no offseason? Do I think some of these guys would probably take a pay cut from like 500 to 350? Yeah. But the problem is if the pay cut's more. If you're making 500 somewhere and you're like, man, this sucks. I don't see my kids. I never have any off days at all. I'm going to go take a pay cut to 150 to live in a major city or two, like 220. Hell, we're no. like, we're like my 500 in this college town is going a whole lot farther. Correct. Like imagine going to the Rams and trying to live in LA, right? We're going to have a, a, a two hour commute to work. If I'm taking a pay cut from like 500 to 225, because my title is certainly not going to be down. I could go from a coordinator job to like a, a assistant position coach job or like, Chip Kelly, if he actually does leave UCLA, he's not going to be a head coach. He's going for a step down in title. I I was going to throw that in here. So Chip Kelly reports are that he has made himself available, that that like his camp, whatever, he has been on multiple NFL offensive coordinator job searches. And uh, he's brilliant, brilliant offensive mind. And he didn't get the jobs, did he? He didn't get, he didn't get, he has not gotten one yet. I uh, did Seattle fill. Mm. So was that one of one of the ones that he was in the mix for? I believe that that's, that's what I had seen on Twitter. So my, my point is, yes, like from the coaches I talked to, the the complaining has never been louder. The money has also never been bigger. And the demand for college coaches, I don't think is increasing from the NFL. So they're going to continue to complain. We're going to continue to hear about this nonstop. They will continue to get crazy rich for coaching football when, you know, like a lot of their skill sets, they don't want to hear this, but they're much better suited to coaching college because they're what they're good at is recruiting. The NFL is like, yeah, the coaching stuff, unless you're like an offensive genius type dude. Although I did see Charlie Partridge left for the Colts and like, that's an awesome hire for the Colts. Correct. Think about his player development. How many guys Charlie Partridge at Pitt and over the years, other stops has developed Charlie Partridge is a good recruiter because he puts in the work. And I, I know Charlie a bit, but like the results speak for themselves. I mean, he talk about a guy that outperforms the star rating consistently. Like Charlie Partridge knows what the hell he is doing in terms of teaching player development. I think that's a really good hire. How many guys like that are out there? Yeah. Not many. I, I'm, I'm just glad you brought that up because they're it, it since last they are week. Complaining more. I will give everybody who's saying that like I, they're, they're not wrong, but the people that are like, Watch, we're going to have such a talent drain from college to NFL. I don't think they can, man. Yeah, I'm not talking about the coaches themselves and their complaints. I'm talking about the editorializing of them as though it's like we're going to lose all of our best and brightest to the NFL. And I'm I'm very glad that you were able to check us a little bit. Like, yeah, guess what? Let's do. Hey, here's a surprise, y'all. Bud had the math. How many jobs are there? How many coaches (laughs) want these jobs? Supply, demand. Let's check the chart and let's find out whether this is going to absolutely raid every single coaching staff in America. Related question. Do you think we will see fewer guys do the Saban thing where they coach forever now? Yes. I do too. I think the, the money is so much better than it used to be. You could do I, one, like one or two good contracts and you're set for life. So my alarm actually went off about seven years ago when Stoops got out. Yeah. When Stoops got out, and I remember Dennis went to go talk to him and it was like, yeah, I met him at the country club. 
had breakfast, you went to go play 18, came back, had lunch, had like a relaxing afternoon, took a couple calls, and guess what? Stoops won national titles, made millions of dollars, and now he's got rock and roll tequila. Roll tequila, yeah. <laughs> like, he's cool. What? Yep. That sounds amazing. Like, that's exactly what you would want to do. So, um, yeah, I know that not everybody's going to have the success of Bob Stoops to be able to lean back on. Some people have an internal drive that is more like Saban, you know, in terms of yeah. like truly believing that like this is what I have to do. Um, but I, I do think that we will see more coaches getting out earlier so that they can enjoy, uh, you know, what they've been able to uh, to collect, spend some more time with their families and the like. Uh, let's see what else we got. Uh, Michigan promotes Kirk Campbell to offensive coordinator. He was the quarterbacks coach last year. Makes sense. Seems good. Thumbs up. If you're going to go with Sharon Moore, you're going with let's keep the continuity. It makes sense. Yeah. All right. Coming up on the other side, a bit of recruiting news from the 2025 cycle and our official National Signing Day preview getting set for Wednesday and the conclusion of the 2024 cycle next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast um, from the tail. Wait, do you know if the Colorado defensive coordinator job has been filled? I do not. Our friend Sports Mahoney from the tailgate says that he saw an ad on Indeed they're not a sponsor. He's just, I'm sending along the you know things. Uh, and he said he applied. So Sports Mahoney, good luck as you have applied for the Colorado defensive coordinator job. Maybe someone from the Cover 3 tailgate. Let the Cover 3 tailgate coach Colorado's defense. Does uh, does Colorado do, do multi-year contracts for assistance? I don't know. So Dion said that the, uh, the coordinator hire would be coming within days on... January 29th. So that is... We talking about business days. We're still okay. Uh, Isaac from the yeah. tailgate says he also applied for the Iowa offensive coordinator job. Yeah, let's... Oh, uh, within I, the next two days, maybe even today. I, I encourage everybody from the Cover 3 tailgate, if you see the opportunity to apply for these jobs, then absolutely do it. Um, the little basketball over my shoulder when you see us in the wide shot says, shoot your shot, and that's, uh, that's, that's what you should be doing. All right, let's start with the 2025 cycle news um, as we get Ohio State gets a commitment from five-star cornerback Naeem Offord. This seems significant to me uh, because that's our second straight five-star cornerback for Ohio State. You tell me Ohio State gets a five-star wide receiver. Cool. Quarterback. Makes sense. You know, defensive lineman, edge rusher. And while they've had like a long line of Ohio State Buckeyes going off to the NFL, I 
you tell me, but I thought it was kind of interesting, if not significant, that they have clearly targeted having elite players in the secondary as part of their 2025 plan. Uh, what do you think of Offord and, and what do you make of his recruitment? Offord guy with great length, nice athleticism, and an, an early top 10 player for us at 24-7 Sports. Of course, I emphasize the word early there. It doesn't mean you're going to stay as a top 10 player for the entire year. We have to see what you do as a senior. You know, what are your verified times and measurables, all, all that other stuff. We're going to discover more guys, so just putting that out there. But now Ohio State actually has the top two corners in the country uh, committed because they also have Devin Sanchez out of Houston. It's early, but I do think that really since National Signing Day, Ohio State's um, – how do I put this? Commitment – since December, since oh. December, whatever national no, no, no. day was, I, I think it might have happened November 29th. That is fair. Yep. <laughs> I think since triple zeros after the end of the loss to Michigan, there has been a, an uptick in <clears throat> commitment to success, and, it, and that commitment has kind of yielded more commitments, if you will, uh, both in recruiting and through the transfer portal. Uh, they are. Um, kind of more all in yeah. as and I'm not really sure they were before. So it's a nice get for them. It is super early. I mean, we're talking about holding on to commits from guys from Birmingham and Houston. Now they have recruited Texas before uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, notably, right? What was a guy out of Texas and, and they, Texas? Uh, yep. Yeah, yeah. All right. He was uh Akuda was also a guy out of Texas and they um, offensive lineman, bit, nice guard. They have who's actually coming back for a senior year, I believe. Is, uh, is from Texas as well. Alabama, I don't really recall them doing a whole lot of Al Al Alabama recruiting, but they certainly do Georgia a good bit. And you know, there's some uh, there's some weakness maybe in the state of Alabama right now. It's mm -hmm. it's not saving anymore. That's not to say Alabama won't have a great recruiting class. They probably will. But uh, there is, I think people are more willing to shoot their shot in Alabama. We'll see if they hold on to it because ultimately – we know how this dance usually goes. A lot I mean, of guys. Yeah, yeah, a lot, lot of a people. A lot of guys will commit. How many actually sign? Which brings us to Wednesday and the end of the 2024 cycle because we've got, you know, about seven, eight, nine players of note who have not signed. However, after the weekend, the biggest names are at least committed. So first, we'll start with the news from over the weekend. Uh, tell us about Oregon and Florida State's uh, big gets. Yeah, so uh, Oregon got Gatlin Blair, who's one of the absolute best receivers out there. Um, guy, like, blazing speed. Uh, serious, legitimate track guy. I believe he's going to go on a mission, so we'll have to see uh, when he's actually able to play college football. But that, that, that's a hell of a get uh, guy. You know, little recruited state, but hell of a nice get for Oregon there as they continue to add on to their class. And Florida State got Amari Williams, who is a defensive lineman who was a 25, and he reclassified up into the 2024 class. You know, that's been something that on the show we've criticized FSU for, like the lack of good recruiting of the defensive line from the high school level. But that's a nice start. Like we're going to need to see a little more of that this coming year if we're going to take them as a team that's seriously competing for national titles and not just ACC titles. But they do need to do this more, and that's a, a good, I would say, first step for them. What um – so of those top players who have not signed but are committed, are we getting the uh, the spatula out for anybody? We got any, we got any concerns or any any coaching staffs going to be sweating what happens on Wednesday? So Texas A&M perhaps could be because there, there's a guy named, named Terry Bussey and 
LSU and Georgia are pretty heavily involved, and he's an elite level athlete. Yeah, but look, I mean, it's not like A and M lacks for NIL, and they definitely have some playing time available, right? So, yeah, but I wouldn't be dealing. I want the competition to be like their home school, right? right. I, I want the competition to be someone who's not on my level that I'm only needing to win over, getting them to forget their heartstrings. Completely. No, that, that's that's fair. Um, I mean, this is a five star kid. You know, we we, we have number sixteen in the country, 24-7 sports, the composite, even a little bit higher, 11th in the country. You know, can LSU, can Georgia make some noise, or does A&M manage to hold on to him? Uh, A&M's also involved with an with a former Arkansas receiver who just decommitted, and now my, bl- my brain, of course, is uh, is losing his name here uh, live on the show, which is great. Uh, but, yeah, A&M could have a really good national signing day, or they could have a bit of a disappointing national signing day it's a lot less drama than it used to be, though. What do you do? You think we'll see continue to see this? Like how? I mean, if we we're pretty transparent and honest with our audience, like if as you are not only you know reporting on it, you know promoting it, and, and we've got like awesome, awesome visits, coverage shows. Twenty four seven Sports is going to have a, a long and comprehensive coverage of Wednesday signing day. Do you think this is a and this is just continuation and maybe even more dramatic than we've had in recent years in terms of just a lot of these guys get this thing locked up in December. One of the big things, though, now is that coaches can really leverage these guys into committing. You know, hey, man, if you don't commit, we're taking a transfer. Like we're, we're, We've recruited you for six months. We're, we're not going to keep playing this game. Now, certain guys – cannot be do like you just can't do that to them. They're like, guess what? I'm I'm a cat's meow. Yeah. I'm the dude. So you can't do that to me. But a lot of these guys you can do it to. So yeah, I think we're gonna continue to see classes fill up. Now, will signing day get moved? That's probably one of the major questions. Can you move it to before the season with certain outs? Can you move it to after the season? That is one area in which I think you could probably survive a court challenge. You know, because I don't think these these high school players have the same rights as college players to to demand certain freedoms. Now, the transfer portal is certainly still there. I mean, we've seen guy like a Julian Sands sign with Alabama, and he's already on Ohio State's roster. But coaches do want to make sure. One of the major you know coaching perspectives is like I don't want to have to babysit this verbal commitment for the next seven months or maintain this relationship when the contract's already signed, you know, or or when the kid is already committed. So, um. Maybe we maybe we see that. That, that that's something I could see because they're they're going to try to move the portal window or the signing day window one or maybe both. But I'm trying to think of things like could you get this done? Could you get that done and have it actually survive a challenge? It was suggested to me that early signing period moves to August and that you get it um, because that. at the conclusion, like once when does that first little dead period start? Like uh, because June's yeah. big, right? And then maybe. You've got a little bit in early July, things slow down, coaches go on vacation, then you start to come back. If you did an early August, early signing period, I think most of these guys are locked in. And I could sell this as you're also enhancing the experience for these high schoolers going into their senior year. You know? Agreed, but high school coaches' pushback on this is different. And they say, well, man, I... I I don't want these kids sitting out their high school senior year. 
I just well, don't I want, I want them to be playing for those offers and for that right. attention. But I, I don't think colleges care. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I thought if you move the first one to uh, like August and then you keep the February one, it probably has more prospects waiting until February. Right. And, yeah. and you mentioned there could be some outs. Like if you commit to a school and sign with the school at the early signing day, and then guess what? The coach leaves. Now all of a sudden you're up on the market. And now you're probably going to be having the opportunity to commit somewhere else in, um, in February. I think that that would be that that could be a way to address the concerns about the calendar in December, which is driving coaches crazy, enhance sort of the buzz of the February signing day, and then allow the prospects who know where they're going to just, and the coaches who know that they've got them on board for them to be able to get that all wrapped up before they even start the regular season. I, I would agree with that. I, I also think you, you could see that the portal window moved to potentially just post spring only. Wow. That like, I, maybe that would get struck down because it's freedom of movement and certain guys, maybe with the exception of graduate transfers. We, I, I would say that the way things are pacing right now, restrictions of transfers doesn't seem like it's going to be easy yeah. to, to push through um, unless you are like, unless they are signing collectively bargained contracts and we're still about four, right. four steps away from that. All right. What about sort of like big picture stuff? Like if you were to sit down, and explain to someone in the cover three tailgate, y'all crack a cold one. And he's like, I right, so like, what's what what sort of stands out to you um, from the the signing, the cycle and the signing day as a whole? Let's go back to the top of the show. The quote unquote big two or whatever. Oh, what, yeah. Power two. We're probably, probably going to need a name for that because like it, it's I, I think Staples had proposed core four or something like that, which is not bad for, for the main four. But just with, with the big 10 SEC. I'm calling it the P2AB. Okay. Yeah, I, I, don't, board. I don't hate that. Uh, of your your top twenty classes, what just FSU, Clemson, Notre Dame, Miami are the only four outside of those big two leagues, mm. which kind of fits with you know what I would define as programs really trying to go for a natty, you know, to play for a national prize and not a regional prize, which would be like a conference prize. If you expand that out to more top thirty, you add in Texas Tech. Uh, NC State, UNC, but still, like you're seeing a lot of of the schools in those leagues recruit at a very high level, and, and I think that will probably only increase. Um, if I'm a coach in one of those leagues, I'm telling kids like, "Hey, if you're not in this, you're not in the real big league." We've seen that the- before. Like SEC coaches have done that for years. Big Ten coaches have done that for years. It'll probably take a little more time. Texas with that. That, yeah. I mean, the negative right. recruiting that Texas used to face about like, nah, well, I mean, you're, you're, it's not, not big boy football. Like it was not the motivating factor of Texas's move to the SEC. Right. But when the move was announced, Steve Sarkeesian found it a lot easier to be able to win some of those big time recruiting battles against the big dogs. Cause guess what? He's recruiting them to come play in that same league too. That's yeah. I mean, it, there's it, even before they got in the league, they started to see a benefit. Now, Texas says NIL together. That has helped them as well. But, I mean, that's a lot of dominance there. 16 out of 20 is, is pretty and, and the ones And the ones, and one, at least and one of the, the ones. Big 12. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least one of the ones who is not in that group is working real hard. Working real hard to try yeah. to get there. Well, totally. I, I mean, look at the big, look at, look at the list if you expand it past the th- top 30. One Big Twelve team. But this, so, this, is, know, this is sort of my point. Like, I, I 
even the ACC and the Big 12 are not equal when it comes to the quality of the top. Mm-hmm. I think the Big 12 has a better better kind of bottom slash bottom middle. Oh, I think they've got a better average rating. Like if we were going to take like all well, of your power ratings and that big group in the middle is going to spit out a number that I think would be potentially stronger. I don't know if it's a better average rating, but it might be like a better like 25th percentile. Mm. Like the the bad, not terrible teams in the Big 12 are probably better than the bad, not terrible in the ACC. But I see I see what you're going with that. There are not a lot of, you know, really, really bad teams. Uh, the chat suggests median, which is actually not a not a bad suggestion there either. And, and it's probably the, the most accurate one we could use. Uh, but like at the top, the ACC is a lot better. Yeah, especially considering they, that they play what they play five or six games against against the Irish. Five contractually, but then some years Notre Dame drops to four and then has to do an IOU and do right. play six the next year. I forgot which one. In one of the last two years, they did six, but contractually, uh, it's five. So Yeah, completely. Um, okay, so we will they move signing day? We think probably transfer window could be moved as well. You know, the power two dominance. Any any other like names or anything you're sort of looking at in terms of uh, the outlook for uh, for Wednesday? Um, not really names. No, it, it'll probably be like a class review, maybe a little deeper dive of, of some stuff, maybe a little quick preview of what we're seeing in 2025. We can debate how much some of the stuff matters now in the portal era. You know, it, Old Miss will be the good test for this. Maybe George just got it locked up, right? Yeah. Yeah. Georgia. Georgia's got it locked. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I think Wednesday will be fun and, and I'm sure we'll have more coaching movement stuff to discuss on Wednesday as, as well. It, it's weird. Like, if I'm programming recruiting coverage, there's two days a year I'm I'm doing it for the casuals, and there's about you know the remaining days of the year that I'm doing it for the diehards. And Wednesday is kind of one of the day where it's more of the casuals. So if you don't really follow the recruiting stuff too much, we'll give you a decent rundown. Maybe some guys that you need to know for this upcoming fall. That's what I was thinking is that we, even though we already talked yeah. about some of these guys when they signed in December, it is really informative for me as somebody who probably is on that. I, I would say I'm in the casual, but it's informative for me to look at the class as a whole. What did you prioritize? What are you bringing in? How many of these guys are going to be able to have an impact? Those are all going to be things that are going to be important to look at. And we'll be doing that, all of that with you on Wednesday. And you can follow him on Twitter at Bud Elliott 3 You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Bud, thank you very much. See you, buddy. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.